Charlie Rocket. I heard his story on a podcast a couple years ago. <clears throat> it was, uh, it moved me and I hope it moved you. Um, some things I think that we can pull out of this story, just his story, just what he did. He, he wrote a contract with himself. He decided, hey, <clears throat> I want to be somebody different. And I, I think most of us, at some level, we see that we should probably do some things differently. Every new year, a lot of us sit down and we write out a new contract for ourselves. Gym, gym memberships are skyrocketing during January of every year. I think that's the only month a gym makes money. But see, he, he admitted that it was hard and it was tough. It was easy to write it down, but it was hard to follow through. It required some faith. I also love what he said, that he had to see the finish line from the starting line. You have to have a vision for where you're going. The other thing that he said is that he had to have other people. He leaned in on his best friend. He leaned in on supporters. He leaned in to hear other people's helping him. His story wasn't over, but he's writing a new chapter. And see, with our faith, see, we, we say that the old is gone and the new has come. I, I love talking about transformation stories. So outside of my kids, I think I probably talk about transformation more than anything else. Dave Morris is traveling this week, so I can, I can say the word Spartan. He, uh, he's keeping a list of how many times I bring up the, the word Spartan and Spartan racing, so um, he'll probably get me with this on vi video later. But, but see, I love seeing ordinary people do extraordinary things. People were cheering for Charlie Rocket because he was the common man. And if you don't know anything about triathlons, or especially, I, those are not normal people. They're freaks of nature. And most of them are wealthy because they ride more expensive bikes than I spend on a car. But they were cheering for Charlie. See, we all have obstacles in our lives that we have to overcome. Many of them are not extraordinary obstacles. They're actually just normal things of life that we struggle with. We, we, we imagine, we dream of doing more but oftentimes we just slide back into our comfort zone. But see, our God, the God that we worship, see, he, he has this great big vision for the church. Our God is a God of transformation. He took, Jesus took 12 ordinary men and they created a movement that has lasted over 2,000 years and has literally changed the world. It changed the culture. It changed the entire Roman Empire. Jesus changes people every single day. And I believe with all of my heart that God is calling this church, this family, to do extraordinary things through normal ordinary people that we are. But we have to answer that call. We must be actively growing in our faith. And when I speak of growing, 
I don't want anyone to get confused about what I'm talking about. When you hear us say connect, grow, and serve, we're not talking about growing numerically. I know I've laid out plans and shown you the numbers just to kind of mess with your mind sometimes. But we are talking about spiritual growth. We're talking about discipleship. We're talking about um, becoming moving from spiritual infants on milk to spiritual disciples who are making disciples, who are, are ready for solid food. I'm talking about people seeing Jesus and his power work in their lives for the first time. Now, the funny thing is, if we have a church family filled with uh, living actively growing, spiritually active people, then we're going to have a vibrant, healthy culture here. And we're going to be worshiping Jesus in a new way, a passionate way. And the funny thing is, as we grow as disciples, as we grow spiritually, we are going to grow numerically. But we are not as a church Our vision for 2020 is not to come up with plans for us to to evangelize. We're not going to come up with programs for outreach. What we are going to focus on is discipleship. When we talk about connect, grow, serve, the biggest focus of our church family will always be on grow. We have to grow spiritually. The church that I see in 2020, right here, and it's, it, it begins now. It begins today. It begins with us as individuals being willing to sit down and write out a contract with ourselves that we are going to take the next step, that we are going to grow. We're going to accomplish something in our own spiritual lives that we've never happened before. We've never done this this way. We've never done this before. Because if we continue to do the same things we've always done in our personal lives, we will continue to run up to those same obstacles, and those walls will always look the same as they've always looked, and we will get defeated in our spirit and our soul. But see, I don't think that's what God has planned. I think he has a bigger plan. Today, we're going to be reading from 2 Timothy, if you want to turn there, the third chapter. We're going to read through these verses together, and then we'll go back through and see what Paul's writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. But if we pick it up with uh, verse 10 of chapter 3, he says, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra." the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned them. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, 
so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The very first verses there, the very first lesson that we can pull out of here is that we have to connect with the right people. Okay. Um, Timothy was, was this young man that Paul met on one of his missionary journeys. And he became a disciple of Paul. And it says that Timothy knew all about Paul's teaching, his way of life, his purpose, his faith. I mean, he lived life with him. If you remember last week when we were talking about Connect, it says that, that they shared their lives together. So this is what Timothy did. This is what disciples of Jesus do. They just spend time with Jesus. It's what he did with, for three years. He traveled with 12 guys. They just learned from Jesus. They just spent time with Jesus. They saw what Jesus did. We need to connect with someone in our lives who's going to bring us up in the faith. Now, Timothy, was, he apparently was raised by a, a believer. His mother was a believer. His father was not, so he came from a, a mixed home. And, uh, but anyway, he, he met the right guy. And Paul said, hey, Come with me. The elder said, this guy needs to go with you. I mean, they knew that this is someone who, who was gifted and, and talented, and, and, but yet was still just an ordinary young man. I've, I've never hidden the fact I was not raised in a Christian home. I didn't know the scriptures in my infancy. I was 26 years old before I really met Jesus. And when I did, I had a guy come to me and you know his name. His name is John Taylor. I talk about him a lot because he came to me and he said, do you want to learn about what you've just professed? And I said, yes. And he discipled me one-on-one. -on -one. And for 20 years now, he is still the man that I look to for when I need answers. Do you have a John in your life? We all need that person. And if you don't, then look around. There are a number of people in this room who, if you were to go up to them and say, I would like for you to disciple me, they would probably go, I have no idea how to disciple you. <laughs> but we'll learn it together. That's what we did last year with Multiply. That's what we're going to continue to do with the book Multiply. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, come and talk to me. And we'll get people hooked up together to continue on in the process of multiply. But listen, if you've been through multiply once, you know the deal. You need to be looking around and saying, can I disciple you? Can I, can I try to teach you? We don't have to be perfect. None of us are perfect but we just share our lives together. It is a relationship. That's all we're talking about, is building a relationship, sharing our lives together, so that we can learn from one another. Paul writes again, he continues on. He says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 
while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. The next thing we have to learn is that we have to disconnect from the wrong people. See, there were people in his day who they were intentionally trying to profit off of the teachings of Jesus, or they were deceiving people and trying to, to bring them into following them, making a, a cult, if you will. And we have those in today's day. But most of us are not deceived by any teaching or person. Most of us are literally just deceived by the culture that we live in. We, we look at the shiny things, the nice cars, or the big homes. We, we, we hang out with people that they may not actually be following Jesus. And then we wonder why we're not growing. I've heard it said, and I, I haven't really put this to, to a lot of uh, to actual study myself, I'll be honest, but I think it's true that we as individuals are the average of our five closest friends. So if you look around your, your five closest friends, you're going to be about the same financially, you're going to be about the same socially, you're going to be about the same intellectually, and you're going to be about the same spiritually. My mom used to put it something like, if you hang out with dogs, you're going to get fleas. If we hang out with a bunch of people who have no goals, no desire to grow spiritually, then we're not going to have those desires either. That's why gym membership, if you go and work out by yourself and never actually get plugged in, when February comes around, you no longer go to the gym. This is, again, coming back, this is why CrossFit has been such an important change in the way people see physical activity because it's a community. If you don't show up, someone's coming to your house and dragging your butt to the gym. The church should be that way. The people in your small group, you should be part of a small group, and the people in your small group, if they notice that you're not coming to a small group or you're not coming to church, they need to come get you. The first men's group, the first men's study group that I was in, if you missed, you'd better have a good reason. The next week, if you tried to miss, they'd show up at your house. All right, you can't come to us, we're coming to you. That only has to happen once before you're ready to go to somebody else's house the next week. It's called accountability. But some of us, we do. We need, to, we need to unplug from people, disconnect from people who, are, who don't have our best interest in mind. Now, I, I'm not, we have to have a relationship with people who don't know Jesus. We have to. I'm not saying we turn our backs on anyone. But we have to, there's these circles of influence. And the people who have the most influence in your life, they need to be Jesus followers, disciples of Jesus. Those are the people you trust. Those are the people you get information from. Don't get information, don't get life information from Bob at the bar, all right? Bob at the bar is sitting at the bar every night for 20 years straight because Bob's got no goals or desires in life. By the way, on Tuesday night, if you want, we're gonna be meeting at Booker's <laughs> at the pub. Bob will be there. 
because I want to build a relationship with people outside the walls of the church. I'm not turning my back. I'm not, I don't want any of us turning our backs on our friends that we have right now. But we have to understand that, unfortunately, the world and our culture has more influence on our lives than the church has on our culture. And we have to change that. There has to be a break in there at some point so that we can turn this ship around and we can start having more influence on our culture. Paul continues to write to his son Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The next lesson is we have to grow in Christ. Um, See, he had to continue growing. Continue learning. Continue growing. Not in a person, not in a program, but in Christ. The other thing is, is that he says, trust in what you believe because you trust in those who you learned it from. Most of us get involved in the church because we were raised in it. Our parents, most of us actually trust our parents. As you get older, you realize that your parents were not as foolish as you once thought they were. But at some point, your faith has to become yours. We do not get to live off of our parents' faith. We do not get to live off our spouse's faith. Just because your husband or wife goes to church does not mean that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. It means they are. So we have to, we have to learn, we, we have to grow up, we have to plug into Jesus ourselves. Well, how do we do that? He says, verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We have to grow through the word. They didn't have this. They didn't have the New Testament. They were writing it. So they were still using the Old Testament scriptures. But they were using letters, some. But they had to know the word of God. We have to know the word of God. I don't care. I I know you're like, gosh, Tom's bringing up the Bible again. (sighs) And I will keep repackaging this message until it clicks. You cannot, will not, ever grow in your spiritual life without a regular daily time in Scripture. It just doesn't happen. You can put it under your pillow and lay on it if you want to, but it's not going to get in there. We literally just have to get into the Word of God so that the Word of God gets into us. I know that when I started reading the Bible, I didn't get it. I didn't understand it, and that's why it's so important to meet with someone who did. 
John could, ex he could, and I know I had dumb questions. I had some of the dumb, I, I didn't, you know, and I, I've actually heard it from some of you. Um, recently, I, I sent out an email asking for some, some things that we should be able to tell new Christians. And one of them is, is that I don't know the stories. I wasn't raised in the church. And you start talking about, well, everyone should know about Noah and the flood. Well, who's Noah? What flood? That's not taught outside the walls of the church. So if you're not raised in the church, they don't know that story. And so I had those questions. I didn't understand that Easter was about Jesus. I was 26 years old. So we all start at ground zero at some point. So we have, you have to get a Bible that you're comfortable reading, and you have to start reading it. And don't tell me you're comfortable reading the King James. You ain't read that. I can't even understand that. Gosh, there's nothing holy about any translation of the Bible. If you need to, there's a, there, it's not an actual translation, but it's called the message. And it's, it's really easy to read. Get a kid's Bible. It doesn't really matter. Quit using, I don't understand it as an excuse. Of course you don't. You're in kindergarten of spiritual growth. You're not supposed to understand it yet. Gosh. You know, I literally intentionally, I wore my work boots today. Because spiritual growth requires hard work. You got to put some effort into it. You can't just say, oh, I can't, I don't understand it, I can't do it. I've been using that quote from um, Teddy Roosevelt a lot about daring greatly. Well, there was another quote I had on my wall, it's from Thomas Edison. The reason a lot of people do not recognize opportunity because it usually goes around wearing overhauls and looking like hard work. If you're, not, if you're still not growing spiritually, it's, it's, time to, it's time to get to work. We have tons of resources. Tons. There is literally zero excuse. I can give it to you so you can listen to it. You can get on Right Now Media. There's over 20,000 Bible studies there. It's free. And you can watch videos. You can watch it on your phone. You can have it anywhere. We have, like, I would love to add up how many Bibles we have in this, in our, in our houses, amongst this church. I would love to know how many people, how many Bibles we have. And yet we don't read them. And believers in other parts of the world, they memorize it off little scraps of paper. They go to prison for having it. We, if you, you just got to do it. You just have to do it. There is no other way to grow. And if you're not doing it and you're feeling guilty or beat up, good. You don't have to be in a hurry. One of my favorite pastors, he, he was telling a story that it took him seven years to get through Psalms and Proverbs. Seven years. 
He would read one verse, and if he didn't understand it, he'd read that verse again the next day. And he said, someone said, well, that's, you must be stupid if it took you seven years. And he said, well, I might be stupid, but I know Psalms and Proverbs. <laughs> the other thing is, is that when your Bible is written in and marked up and highlighted, that's the way it's supposed to look. You, I, I've, I've actually had people go, you mean I can write in this? Yes, you can. You can. Because it means that you, you write a note to yourself. Highlight something that really spoke to you. Memorize it. Let it speak to you. Let it teach you. Let it train you. This little passage he finishes with, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Next week, we're, that's what we're going to focus on. Connect, grow, serve. See, we, we read the word of God because it starts equipping us to do good works. See, our faith, Jesus Christ did not die on the cross so that we could be comfortably seated in a nice air-conditioned room for one hour a week. He did that so that we would change the world. He did that so that we could have salvation. And many of us, in fact, last week, last week in the Sunday school class that we're doing in the fellowship hall called SHAPE, and it's about how finding our ministry, there were 45 some people in there, and out of those 45 people, three people, three out of 45 felt that they understood God's call in their life. See, I, I think that we have, we have a lot of room for growth. We have a lot of room for being equipped to understanding our purpose. That's one of the greatest questions, the biggest questions that all humans have. Why am I here? And the church has the best answer ever. It's because you are here to share the good news of Jesus Christ that everyone has hope that we can all go to heaven, we can all live in eternity together forever without pain, sorrow, death, or tears. That is why we are here. It is not so we can have bigger homes, nicer cars. It's not so that we can be comfortable. It is so we can change the world and change the eternity of people who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And you can go to work tomorrow and you can make lots of money. And I buried a guy this week and guess what? I double checked. There were shot glasses in his casket, but there was no money. We don't get to take it with us. The only thing we get to take with us is what is spiritual. So it comes with spiritual growth. It comes with a desire and a passion for people, not programs. It's about connecting and loving and then going out and serving, whether it's in the, some ministry in this church that you have a passion about or about people outside these walls that you want to see in heaven someday. Spiritual growth 
leads into spiritual service. Connect, grow, serve. You're going to get sick and tired of me saying those three words. But that's who we are. That's who this church is going to be. That's our vision for 2020. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we love you very much. And you have put, you've put a, a, just a, a desire in my heart, Lord, to, uh, to lead people to, through change and transformation, to see people um, grow in their faith, to trust in you more. And Lord, yeah, it takes hard work, but man, it is so worth it. You change people every day. You change our destiny. You change our entire life. Lord, may, may we want to desire, uh, Charlie Rocket said he's going to the moon. Father, I pray that we just go to our neighbors. Father God, I pray that we write up a contract with ourselves before you that we're going to get to know you better this year. Lord, we have six months left in this year. How, how, how much deeper can we get in relationship with you? Father God, I thank you for changing my life. I thank you for changing the lives of, of so many people in this room. But Lord, there's a lot of lives left to be changed. Help us to be your hands and feet to this community and to our neighbors, to our family and our friends. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.